Welcome to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter, and I am really glad you're with us today talking about one of my favorite topics, prayer. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Let me first remind you that 721 Live is the radio arm of 721 Ministries. If you just type into your server 721 Ministries or Sam Hunter, you will pick up our two websites, our podcasts, everything we have. Just just Google 721ministries.org and you'll pick up on all that we do. And we got a lot of neat things on the websites for you to look at. So, so do that, please. And let me also just give a shout out to Gaten Heman and IT Pros who do all of my IT work, and they are so professional and so Johnny on the spot. They've got a help desk. You send them an email, you, you call them, whatever your, your issue is, and you get a call quickly, and they are so competent, so professional, they, uh, I, they fix everything. And if you need some help getting your business, small business, larger business systems set up or handled or maintained, don't hesitate to call IT Pros. IT Pros... That's 574-3522. Or IT Pros, find them on the web. You'll really appreciate the kind of work they do. Great IT work. Great people to work with. Okay, the reason I am excited about this is, and I, I really would enjoy teaching about prayer, talking about prayer almost all the time because it is such an interesting topic and one that I think is so misunderstood. So this summer, we decided at the 721 meetings, the men's meetings that we have in we have in Lawrence, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, Spartanburg, South Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, uh, and sometimes down in Charleston, South Carolina, we, we meet each week during what we call the school year. But during the summer, we meet once a month, and we usually don't have the same organized lessons that I prepare. We just have a topic, and this summer the topic was if you could ask Jesus for two things, two prayer requests, what would they be? Not ask two questions like why and how and all those kind of things, but two prayer requests. And let's say you can only ask for two. What would they be? I'd like for you to think about that. I think it's a great question and an appropriate exercise for anyone. You should think about that for a while. What two would you ask? It's not a question I would want you to answer quickly because it it would take some thought. And perhaps you would find this to be an interesting discussion with your family, your spouse, maybe your small group or your Bible study. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, you know, that what, what good could come out of this is first in our 721 meetings, we would share and see what others are praying about, what's on their heart, and maybe shed light, shed some light on the prayer requests that, that each one of us has. As we discuss it, maybe we would be able to see it in a different light, maybe to see that prayer request and understand a little bit better what it is we're asking for, what they're asking for, and maybe possibly over time, with more discussion and more thought, the prayer request would actually shift in light of our discussions, maybe change altogether. So, last week, we asked this question, because Jesus makes the statement, everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who asks, receives. He says that. It's, I would call it a promise. As a matter of fact, it sounds a lot like a guarantee. Everyone who asks, receives. So I asked the question last week, 
and you should go back and listen to that show on our website, is there a difference between getting and receiving? Because Jesus guarantees that everyone who asks receives, but he, he doesn't say everyone who asks gets. So is there a difference between getting and receiving? And go back and listen to that show to pick up a discussion on that. But the, the short answer is yes, because getting gives us a sense that you get what you're asking for. Whereas receiving, well, that's a deeper promise, a deeper guarantee. And what I hear from Jesus is saying, there's, there's no such thing as unanswered prayer. You will receive. So when I hear someone say Jesus or, or God answered our prayers, what they really are saying is that he answered our prayers the way we asked them. They got what they were asking for. They get versus receive, which goes much deeper. So go back to that last show and listen to it last week's. But when Jesus says everyone who asks receives, it's repeated more than once in his in the Gospels, but at Luke, Luke records it in a, with a different twist or adds to it and says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? That's a little different. And we asked the question last week, is, is, that, is that promise, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Is that a salvation giving or a sanctification day-to-day in the details of our life giving. And it seems clear it's a sanctification day-to-day type of giving. So I would pose this question, is asking for the Holy Spirit to move, to guide, to clarify, is that really the ultimate prayer request? Could we be so simple in our prayers as just to say, Holy Spirit, you take care of it. Holy Spirit, you move. Holy Spirit, you show me. You, you, you show me. You show the person I'm dealing with. You make it clear to us. You move in whatever this situation is. Holy Spirit, you just move. Because it sounds like Jesus is guaranteeing us that when we ask for the Holy Spirit to do that, he does. So, let me switch to this, these July meetings for the purpose of today's show. And I'll start with a, an, another thought challenge that came up out of one of the men's questions. It was more a question about prayer than really a prayer request, but it sprang from one of, the, one of our men wanting to pray for a friend but not knowing how to pray. Have you ever been in that situation? Someone you yourself, quite likely, but someone you love and or someone you love, is, is such a predicament that you don't even know how to pray. You don't, know, you don't know how to pray. You don't know what to pray for. Well, We get a couple more guarantees in Scripture that should put our minds at ease when it comes to prayer. And so much of my desire when it comes to teaching and talking about prayer is to put our minds at ease, to take the anxiety out of praying. So, intercessory prayer. Praying for someone, not knowing what to pray, how to pray, what to say for yourself or someone else. Here's a couple of great promises we get. Romans 8, 26. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Verse 27. And he, God, who searches our hearts, knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Did you get that? You have the Holy Spirit interceding for us. And God is searching the heart of the Holy Spirit and the mind of the Spirit. 
and he knows our hearts. And the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That sounds a lot like a prayer that would be in Jesus' name, doesn't it? And, and that sounds like a prayer that will always get answered. Always. But we don't always know exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing. So when we think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is always interceding for us, taking our prayers and moving them in accordance with God's will, then the next verse, verse 28 in Romans 8, is a natural therefore, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. We know this. So we've got the Holy Spirit taking anything and everything you pray and moving it into an accordance with the will of God. We also read in Hebrews 7, 23, and 24 and 25. Well, let's just go to 25. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, that's Jesus, because he always lives to intercede for them. I want you to get a, a sort of a picture in your mind that there you are praying. Now, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. As you pray, as you grapple with how to pray or what to pray for, the Holy Spirit takes those, that grappling, that groaning, that praying, and he takes it into accordance with the will of God, and he delivers it up. And then Jesus is there waiting, always interceding for you with the Heavenly Father because he always lives to intercede for us, and he takes that prayer and del delivers it to God Almighty. It's a win-win. You cannot lose in your prayer, so there should be no anxiety. Just pray. Talk to your Heavenly Father about what's on your heart. Talk to your best friend, Jesus, your Savior, about what's on your heart. If you're in a sticky situation, if you're in a difficult situation and confused and don't really know what to pray or how to pray or what to pray for, and quite frankly, do we ever really know what the best solution is, just know that the Holy Spirit is moving and taking your prayers and bringing them into a prayer that is in Jesus' name. And that's from Hebrews 7. And then Hebrews 4, we get another natural conclusion. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It's a win-win. There should be no anxiety in your prayers. There should be no confusion. You just start praying, and you have the Holy Spirit and Jesus interceding to bring those prayers to your Heavenly Father. What a wonderful, wonderful understanding that is. What a guarantee, what a promise. Okay, so now for the rest of the show, I want us to take what we talked about this month in these 721 men's meetings, and I started by asking this question. What percentage of your prayers are for me prayers versus in me prayers? What percentage of your prayers are for me prayers versus in me prayers? And I would ask if you understand what I mean by those two, two different types of prayers. For me prayers are prayers where you're asking for God to do something for you to change a situation, to fix a situation, to help someone, to heal someone, to heal a marriage. To, it might not just be for you, but it's someone for whom you're praying, so it's a for-me prayer. An in-me prayer is when you are asking God to move inside of you, to change 
the inside of you. To transform the inside of you. Think about that for a moment. What percentage of your prayers are for me prayers versus in me prayers? And we will continue to tease this out in the second half of the show. I'm Sam Hunter. We'll be right back. Welcome back to 721 Live. I'm Sam Hunter. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. In the first half of the show, we concluded with this question about your prayer life, your, your prayer requests, let's say. What percentage of your prayer requests are for me prayers versus in me prayers? I think this is really worth thinking about. For me prayers would be the kind of prayers that would either be for you, I need this fixed, I need help with this, I need, I need for you to do this for me or for my, for my family, or it could just be for me, but in the sense of I'm praying for someone who's close to me, someone I love. These are what I would call external prayers versus in me prayers, which are internal prayers. And those type of prayers are change me, change my heart, slow me down, give me clarity, give me the energy that the Holy Spirit, the, the energy, clarity, and creativity that we we call Holy Spirit power. Give me those things. Work inside of me. I want to be a different person. I don't want to be the same person I've been. I can only be transformed into a different person by you, Father. I can do some change on my own. And I've made some progress in change on my own, but it, it doesn't even compare to the transformation that the Holy Spirit does inside me. So let me just share this with you. This is the July 4th devotion from Oswald Chambers. And he begins with Matthew 5.39, I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now let me tell you, let me give you, read to you Oswald's comments. This verse reveals the humiliation of being a Christian. In the natural realm, if a person does not hit back, it is because he is a coward. But in the spiritual realm, it is the very evidence of the Son of God in him or her if he or she does not hit back. He continues, When you are insulted, you must not only not resent it, but you must make it an opportunity to exhibit the Son of God in your life. Well, that's, that's not going to be easy, is it? But he continues, And you cannot imitate the nature of Jesus. It is either in you or it is not. In other words, this is not a self-help. This is a Holy Spirit moving in you. He says, a personal insult becomes an opportunity for a saint to reveal the incredible sweetness of the Lord Jesus. Now, did you hear that? Did you take that in? There were two times the word opportunity was used by Oswald. When you're insulted, you must not only not resent it, but you must make it an opportunity to exhibit the Son of God in your life. And an insult becomes an opportunity for a saint, for you, to reveal the, the incredible sweetness of the Lord Jesus. Well, I want you to think about that for a moment. I want, I want you to think, how in the world are you going to pull that off? Unless you're just one of those few people that is so sweet and so kind-natured that you never even feel an insult. I, I don't, that's not Sam. How in the world would I, and I agree with Oswald, so how, am I, how would I get to this point where I could even, I wouldn't even resent someone insulting me? And quite frankly, I have progressed to a point where very few insults 
do I, am I hurt by, do I resent, do I want to counterattack? I've got, I made a lot of progress in that. The Holy Spirit has transformed me. But <laughs> there are people who can insult me. And it might not even be an insult, but I take it as an insult. How many insults are there that you really just take as an insult? They weren't meant as an insult. But nevertheless, I feel insulted, and I do resent it. Now, thankfully, I've grown enough to where most times I can dampen down that resentment. I can mitigate it. I can eventually sweep it away. But to not only... To, to not only not resent it, but to take it as an opportunity to exhibit the Son of God in my life, the incredible sweetness of the Lord Jesus, that's going to take a different person. I cannot be the same person. Are you kidding me? Why well, I would have to change so much, so much so that I would have to become a different person. The old Sam will not be able to do that. How about the old you? To not even... Resent when someone insults you? That sounds a lot like Romans 8, 29, that we're being conformed to the likeness of his son to be more like Jesus. How is that going to happen? And that takes us back to the for me prayers versus the in me prayers. You see, the more I, more my prayers are about my inside, about him changing me. Jesus said, you know, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He said, what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart. When he talk, gets into all the vile things that come out of our mouth and the things that are in our heads and the thoughts that we have, even if we don't voice them, they all come from the heart, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. How will I become a, a, the type of disciple that displays the sweetness of the Lord Jesus when someone has insulted me. Well, that's going to take prayers and the Holy Spirit working in me. In me prayers, I think by definition, are 100% in Jesus' name prayers. For me prayers, they might be in Jesus' name, they might not. I have to imagine that some of my for me prayers are really selfish prayers. Or there's prayers about self, about Sam. But an in-me prayer from the heart, that's always going to be in Jesus' name. That's the kind of prayer he's looking for. So let me, let me expand on this just a moment. Let me break your life, my life, down into two categories. I know this is broad, sweeping generalizations, but I think it helps, and I think it is somewhat accurate. Break your life down into relationships and issues and circumstances. You got that? relationships, and issues and circumstances. Issues and circumstances are those exterior things, divorce, business, money, cash flow, health, issues with your, uh, with your work, with your community, with whatever's going on. These are all just issues and circumstances. Cars breaking down, health issues. But let's go back to the relationships. Whenever you have a negative issue in a relationship, and we do have those because relationships are sticky and we're all so human and so flawed. Whenever you have a negative issue within a relationship, here's my question to you. What percentage have you caused that negativity? And or have you exacerbated? Now that, that stings, doesn't it? What percentage, of, when you find yourself in a, in a relationship issue that is unhealthy, that is unhappy, what percentage have you caused it 
and or exacerbated it. So when I say and or exacerbated, that means someone brought it in, but you brought you made it worse. What percentage? Now, the men have been with me long enough to where most of them say 100%, but really I think it's better to say maybe 90 plus percent because there's just some really difficult people to be around. And, and so I, I'm going to give you 90, but don't go below 90%. Don't be delusional. Well, the deeper you go in your in me prayers, the more you are transformed inwardly. Do you see the effect it would have on these negative issues within your relationships? It would be almost directly an inverse proportion. The deeper I go, the more the Holy Spirit moves inside of me, the more I'm not going to cause negative issues within relationships, and I'm sure not going to exacerbate them. And I think that not exacerbating them is what Jesus is talking about when he says, turn the other cheek. Somebody insults you. And it wasn't re just recently. Someone whom I love, I felt like insulted me. And I steamed around about it. Thankfully, I was away. It took me about two miles of walking to calm down and say, I have the opportunity to display the sweetness of Jesus. Now, I don't know how I would have done in the moment, but at least I was out walking so I could walk it off. But I didn't exacerbate it, and that would be what the old Sam would do. How about you? Are you praying, are you even praying in me prayers? When Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, those are in me prayers. Holy Spirit, move in me. Holy Spirit, change me. Holy Spirit, transform me. I want a different heart. I want that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I want that. Please move in me. Whatever it takes. Those are in me prayers. Now, we broke it into relationships and issues and circumstances. Let's just address the issues and circumstances for a moment. Because that's normally our for me prayers, right? I need for you to work in this. I want you to fix this. Help me with this. Those aren't necessarily selfish prayers, but sometimes they are more self-centered. But nevertheless, the more in me prayers, the more you are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, I think you'll start to see those issues and circumstances in a different light. Before, you may see those circumstances and issues like Saul, Saul, Goliath as giants. But the more in me prayers and the more internal transformation, the more you'll be like David and you'll see that Goliath is a sitting duck. He's no challenge. This is no issue. That's what these in me prayers will do for us. And I'll take it a step further. You know, Jesus said on that last night, John 16, 23, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. And what? What would it be like to get to the point where you really didn't feel like you needed to ask for me prayers at all? I'm not suggesting that you should not ask for me prayers. You're to bring everything to your Heavenly Father. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present all your requests to God. But Jesus says there, there, there will come a time when you've gotten so close to me that you don't really need to ask a bunch of questions. There won't be a lot of prayer requests. It'll be more of a communion together. And that would be a love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, fruit of the Spirit type of existence, wouldn't it? Let me close with 
a prayer from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, that one of the ultimate in me prayers in all of Scripture. Listen closely. Paul writes, Holy Spirit dictates or says through Paul, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's the prayer. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. That's an in me prayer. He continues, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That is an in me prayer, my friend. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul writes in Ephesians 3, another prayer. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. May you discover the riches of in me prayers so that you may go deeper and deeper in your relationship with Jesus and discover these riches of his glorious kingdom. I'm Sam Hunter, and this is 721 Live. So long, God's peace to you. I hope to see you next Friday.